Welcome to Essie's Hour of Love, episode 16, with Perry Loins. So I was supposed to interview my uh, really good friend, Kurt McVeigh, who I've worked with for years, uh, but he was very busy during Fashion Week. So he sent me a text saying, Esther, I want you to meet Perry Loins. She's an amazing psychic and spiritual advisor to the stars. She is also quite the art, poetry, literature, love, and general cultural connoisseur. She was just featured in Front Row magazine, a publication they've been putting out at fashion shows this week. I am a Neanderthal in comparison. You should interview her. So really that's all... I heard and um, I set it up with Perry and let's just say she was no disappointment at all. So I really hope you enjoy. I just always press record to just start it and then I'll, I'll like, <laughs> you're, you're in. I always have the fear also it's not doing anything. So I have to like, yeah. it's normally right in like a serious moment. I'm like, hold on one second. I just want to make sure we're getting this. <laughs> I meant to bring snacks and like drinks and stuff. Oh no, because then the noise. Oh right. It's like, yeah, I know. I watch my guests like put the water down. Oh, right. <laughs> like, oh, it's like the early days of radio. I know. Awesome. I'm gonna like slip my shoes off, but I'm worried it maybe it will smell. Don't worry about it. I can't. I just came from a mani pedi. Oh yeah. Where did you go? Uh, so I go to this little place. I like to go to little places to try and keep them open. <laughs> right. Also, they're really good. It's 26 between 6 and 7. But color-wise? Well, oh, color, you know I don't have pretty hands. And oh, I'm, you don't want to draw the attention yeah. to the hands? And I'm right. waiting for a very, very, very posh client this week. And oh. This is like rich girl color. We're used to be. Got to. Yeah. Okay, rich Okay. Toes are my own. He's not going to see Yeah, us. I like that. Good point. <laughs> so I want to kick this off yeah. by... Asking what you meant on no, okay. Actually, stop. I want to kick this off by saying, if you're on a date, how do you describe what you do? <laughs> well, that's a fantastic question. How do I describe what I do in terms of what physically, spiritually, emotionally? I guess so. If I'm a dude, well, if you, if if it would be a guy, I don't right. know. Um, and then said, so what? You know, what do you do? It would be a guy. Yeah. What um? What What's your spill? And you like? Let's say. Let's set it up. Okay. Yeah. I need a little because it's, um, it's different. It's like let's set up. So it's a blind date. It's a blind date. Yeah, but your one of your best friends has told you about this guy and he sounds like he's like he's sort of ticking those boxes. Okay, friend of a friend already ten steps in. Right. And um, you have your gut feeling is good, mm-hmm. uh, but you really are sort of starting from nothing in mm-hmm. the sense of like you you like that from whatever they've told me you've sort of ignored what they've said because um, you want to figure it out yourself. Uh, but the little spits that you've heard, you're feeling good. So you're basically starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. You've sat down, you've got your drink, and he sort of just goes straight into it. And he's like, so you know, what do you do? What do I do? Um, wow, that's that's a really terrific question. Um, hopefully, I'm dressed distractingly enough that he doesn't lead off with that question. Okay. Because that's a um, if it's a blind date, I will usually have um, one or two like props. I mean, I don't actually like bring a stuffed <laughs> gorilla in with me, although that's an idea. Um, so one or two sort of conversation starters or 
you know, if I have cleavage for, um, well, two there and then two in props. Yeah. Um, but not for conversation, but to kind of like uh, distract while you're getting settled. Mm-hmm. Um, shock and awe would be right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess the second thing would be, I would run because I'm being a psychic. I would sort of run a little scan and just get the lay of the land. Right. Which I should never say in public about dates. Oh my god. Um, I think we would all presume you would do it. <laughs> I guess so. I try. You know, I try to turn it off. For, yeah. Which I'll well, t- tell you a funny story in a sec. But um, I start off by saying first I would say, well, you know, let's let's start with you. What do you? Why don't you? Let's talk a little about you because I I want to glass of something and I want to kind of settle in and yeah. take my shoes off and so I'm just going to talk about you a bit is that okay and, yeah and then I'd say you know I have done a lot of things you know I uh, polished and wrote part of the rock star's autobiography I have some with I've had I've done a lot of things that all involve like writing and singing and fashion and consulting. And now I have a business um, where I'm I'm a consultant. He'll say what kind of Yeah, and then he'll there. go, <laughs> yeah. And now what do you consult in? And I'll say, you know, I'm, I'm an intuitive consultant. And they'll say, what does that mean? And then I'll say, I don't like to start off by saying I can read your mind. By the way, your dead grandmother is standing behind you. Her name is Sheila. And so, because I find... But I'm Sheila like, really likes me and she's thinking thumbs up. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, yeah I kind of ease them into it. I, You know, it's funny because I don't really do... I, I can't remember the last time I had a blind date. I don't really... Eat, I don't you know. think it's a, as much a thing anymore. But walking... I mean, well, it is... Well, every, online dating online is dating. a blind date. Yeah. yeah. But that's a really good question. Um, unless they're an artist or they've Googled me. Right. In which case... They you already kind of... You know. The spill. Yeah. What's Courtney Love really like? Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, do you see dead people? What am I thinking... If any of those three three questions come up in the first minute, I'm like, you know, I'm just going yeah, to the bathroom and I'm never coming back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So. Also, oh, sorry. Yeah. Also, I think it's an unmannerly question. I find it really hard to answer that question. It's a very New York question. I'm, the the people. I when I was. People um, who have extremely good manners, I find, ask things like. So how do you like to spend your time? Mm-hmm. Or what are you passionate about? Or yeah, yeah, what? yeah. I know. I actually found when I first came to New York, it was I was very used to back in Australia just someone saying, "What do you do?" But I just think the question didn't have as much weight as it has in New York. Oh God, no. So I asked guys when I was out having a drink, and they fumbled and they kind of like kind of got a bit annoyed with me that I'd asked the question and it was it was definitely a lot of them for some reason it must have been where I was like hanging out at bars were more Wall Street guys and it was a bit of that time where working on Wall Street was very frowned upon um 
and uh, yeah, I just I couldn't understand why the conversations kept ending when I asked them what they did, um, and then they're like, "Oh, well, I write on the side. Right. <laughs> I like to run." I was like, oh, "Cool, but like from like nine to five, what are you like? What are you?" And the interesting thing was, I just meant it so much of curiosity, nothing to yeah. really. I guess we all sort of judge, but n- not in this. I'm not sizing up your salary. Let's just say that. Um, but then I gradually learned how to continue the conversation without shutting it down with what you do. <laughs> yeah, it's all trial and error. It's yeah. Like you watch people's... And it's also, like anything else, the more you go... The, the Almost the less you pay attention to yourself, the more you pay attention to the other person, the more rewarding it is in every level because you, you can sort of read their body language. Right. You can see... If somebody sort of leans forward and starts to synchronize with you, that they're that's a subject that interests them, and that interests me because I'm really interested in people. Right. Like I actually genuinely, you know, ladies sitting next to me in the bus. Yes, I do want to see pictures of your grandchildren. I'm not yeah. kidding. I mean it. Do you call that? Um, do you ever link that to EQ, emotional intelligence? Um. In my case, I link I link it to having lived alone in New York City since I was fifteen. You know, you have to learn social skills, or you're not going anywhere. So let's back up. Yeah. You lived, you ended up living by yourself at fifteen in New York City. Yes, I was going to. I was modeling and um, waiting tables at a <laughs> legendary jazz club, and. Um, my mother, my, I was living in the same building as my brother. Okay. But uh, I was going, still going to high school here. Um, my mother was teaching in NYU. Anyway, long story short, yes, I was living by myself, like 15, 16, New York City, in the village, cocktail waitressing, uh, two jobs on the side, and high school. So. And have you been in New York most of your life? Most of my adult life, I lived in Sydney for a while. Oh, yeah, you mentioned yeah. that. What, what, what <laughs> took you there? Oh, you know, <clears throat> just kind of a boy and kind of not. But also, I just had so many friends from there. And I had enough miles to go there for free. And Why not? Yeah. So how long did you end up staying there for? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a lot of time topless in Bondi Beach eating prawns and drinking champagne and you know I'm so grateful you said prawns oh. it's just nice to hear not shrimp but a word that we don't even use that everyone associates uh, yeah. with our country it doesn't make any oh, sense oh god it's such a I love Australia everything's 13% bigger and brighter and better color the men are gorgeous they really are aren't they they really love taking I mean and I love that sense of humor where they just cut you down to size if you're not right but that means they like you yeah. so you have to enjoy that because that's flirting oh I love that I'm the youngest in big family that's how they communicate also it's, yeah. but New York if you can't handle someone sort of people don't know. do that as much in New York people don't tease because I'm, I'm teasing like, I guess I'm meaning the because in some ways they're teasing you about something that's kind of honest yeah but so in New York, more they, I guess they'll just say it and it won't be a tease or mm, different what do you think? I think that people come to New York in the same way that I will see people, or I used to, I don't know if it's so true, but I found that people, native New Yorkers, like my family, my parents are from New York. My, my right. mom spent, like, been in Manhattan continuously since like the 1830s. So I found 
I'm not doing anything interesting, just too lazy to leave. Um, but I found that native New Yorkers tend to be really polite and really kind of well-mannered. And it's people who come here from flyover states, she says snottily, um, who think they have to act like a, their idea of a New Yorker, who tend to be like the rude ones. Like, yeah. not from here. You can't give me that. I have to admit that... I found, you know, there was somehow, I think a few people had put it in my head before I came to America, or maybe even New York, that it's it's tough. And I took it as that the people weren't going to be nice in mm-hmm. some ways. That's what it felt like. And I, the amount of times my first couple of weeks that someone walked past it, you know, I'm staring at the subway map. And they're like, lady, where do you want to go? <laughs> like, That's pretty good. Thanks. I'm like, ah, Spring Street. <laughs> so I'll do the, the rest of the, the, rest of the podcast. In the yeah, 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 forget it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I only can do like <gasps> one line of a or the, And then I turn to like the obnoxious like 15 year old with the, you know. When was the first time you noticed somebody being rude to you in a way you expected a New Yorker to be rude to? It wasn't to me. It was the way they spoke to each other. So it wasn't like a rudeness that I that I felt like I someone did it to my face, and it, it probably was more like a shove or a push on the subway or just a like a, we're all in this together. Um, and in another country that you know, in Australia, there's so much space we're not crammed in many situations. <laughs> so like I just wouldn't I be that would be very rude for you to like push me onto the subway right now where. So it was more like an act, not rather something, or something that someone said, but right. it was the way I think people spoke so loudly about their dramas in their life, right? How and everyone could hear it was. It was sort of this. It wasn't rude. It was just a different. It was this. Like I don't give a shit if you can hear me. Yeah. This is what's going on with me, and in and I think in Australia that would be thought of as being inconsiderate that you're sort of involving other people other people yeah. in your life where here it's like no I'm just going to talk and 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 that's a freedom so I don't know if it was rudeness it was more just like I'm going to make this my living room wherever I am yeah that's that's a really interesting that's a pretty good point well also I think the reason that people react differently in say Oz than they do in um, uh, New York to what do you do because it feels like people come to New York to create to construct, to construct a self. It is right. a constructed self. It is a facade. Um, and I remember when I went out on dates when I was in Australia, it was much more organic. It's like, you know, you're, you are who you are, and then you are who you are, and, but you're much more defined, but it's, it's a very, very class conscious, uh, although we don't talk about it. New, York's part, New York is all about money. Right. And so a lot of dates, I get a little tired of people trying to figure out my signifiers and where I fit in because I like to fuck with people. I'm right. wear, excuse my language. Um, you can But I'll, I'll wear, like, you know, a dress belonging to Norman Mailer's late wife, that's Chanel, and I'll wear, like, crappy Payless shoes. And, yeah. You know, it's just... And you, you remind me of my mum. She sort of grew up. Oh, no, with, don't say no, sorry. I meant that in the I meant that in the most beautiful way. I promise. No, you. it's a very high compliment. It's just, uh, over over forty, you get like. 
on I'm more meant she will go to like the best store ever and look like if she needs a coat right. she will go to the top notch but she'll also go to Beacon's closet yeah. or you know thing. and it's like wherever I'm going to find what I need I'll, I'll pick it up and your I'm, mom sounds uh, awesome she's pretty cool she writes one woman plays and performs them Oh my gosh, she's yeah. totally my kind of girl. Yeah. I know her. Well, she lives in a very small town in Western Australia, so you okay, probably don't know. <laughs> but, but if she lived here, yeah, yeah, I think you would know. <laughs> so, what, um, so you are a psychic. Do you call yourself a psychic? <sighs> you know, it's funny. I don't call myself anything. Anything, right? Um, I think I just wanted to. I guess hey, I wanted you. to say, just put that out there that you sort of. Well, it's yeah. shorthand, and it's the easiest thing for people to get. Um, if I say intuitive consultant, it's sometimes a lot of syllables. People's eyes glaze over, and then there's. I that, like it though. Yeah, thanks. I yeah. think I made it up, but. Um, but there's so many hurdles of. Which is probably one of the reasons I chose to do it professionally about seven years ago. There are so you can. It, it's a very confrontative thing to do, mm-hmm. because if you present, if, you know, if you grow up sort of upper middle class and you present, you know, educated, and um, to make up for, not to make maybe she give me a compliment here because I'm feeling so oh. feeling the wrong thing. But if you present, no, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> if you present a certain way, people don't expect you to say that you're something that they associate with charlatans and with, you know, those stories in the Times about people who take forty thousand dollars from. <laughs> oh idiots. right. Um, so I, I'm just learning how not to be defensive about what I do. Um, Interesting. And yet you love doing it. I'm guessing. Well, I found myself being a psychic the same way that a child finds itself on the edge of a precipice, 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 we're not tricking here. Um, I found myself being a psychic in the same way that a child finds itself on the edge of a precipice, a word I can't say. The child is following this brightly colored butterfly that it can't take its eyes off of Mm -hmm. through and not really watching the landscape and suddenly finds itself in this new landscape that needs to be interpreted in an entirely different way. So when I stopped modeling and being the personal shopper at Barney's and Vuitton and started doing this full time, it's a different landscape. But I, there were these truths that I, these things that were, I was seeing and saying and other people were, I was getting evidential proof. And I just got too interested, and it was the truth. Right. You know, if you're sitting there and you're a night, you know, you're a nice girl from Long Island, and I'm looking at you and saying your grandfather showed up and he says his name is Bernie, and that he was the only Jewish cowboy in Arizona, and she bursts into tears, and there's no, you know, I can't do research that would prove that to me. I mean, she's like, yeah. So I just got interested. Right. So when you were going on this path. Because you sort of did with your arms apart. <laughs> um, and before you'd committed, turn this into, say, a career or, a, or um, a project, were you ever nervous of, like, why Why do I have these 
things pop in or, or did you were there moments where you had to learn to control these you did you have to gain power in some ways or was it like an yes. exercise thing extra that's such a great question and you know yes the i took two years when i was um i was married and living in park slope or wherever it was um I'd have my day job and I'd sing at night, but I would also, a couple times a week, I would do like $5 readings because the trade-off was that you get a $5 reading with somebody who's really good, but she's learning. And the trade-off is I get to be wrong because... Right, it was $5. I had to learn how that, how not to doubt the communication and the images and stuff I was getting. So if... If I'm reading for you, this is a $5 reading. <laughs> oh, okay. Which I no longer is. Um, and I, for that two years, I learned through trial and error, like what I could trust and what I couldn't. And what I learned is that the peripheral vision we get is the hardest thing to trust, but it's the truest moment you'll have with somebody. What you get when somebody first walks in. There's the stuff in the... Um, it's like the stars you can only see out of the side of your eye. Right. Um, and we immediately, as rational beings, come in with a thought to create a narrative out of what we know about the person we're sitting, and we're almost always wrong. And learning to trust that first thought. So if, I, if you're sitting there and I get a picture of Kim Kardashian playing a tuba filled with Czech's party mix with a pot of begonias in her head, I have to say that because you might be like, oh yeah, my, my mother's name was Begonia and you know, Kim Kardashian stole my boyfriend and my father invented Czech's party mix, you know. <laughs> There's going to be these weird things. And did you find in those two years as well there were subjects that you that you stay away from? Or like were there other moments like that as well where you're like, I don't I don't like letting my I don't know, my aura or my guides or whatever you call I don't know how, whatever the words. Like, I don't want to go into that area of people's lives. It's too sensitive. It's too, um, too much. Or was it never, or have I gone, have I taken it to a different place? Well, unfortunately, that's usually the area that interests me the most. Right. Because... And that's probably what the interest is the person that's sitting next to you the most as well, I'm guessing. Uh, usually the more they argue with me about what I'm saying, the closer I am to being right. Um, and I'm not good. Of course I'm going to respect somebody's boundaries. But, uh, and I'm not, a, you know, this is for entertainment purposes. And the entertainment purpose is for you to be sort of shocked about how I can know this when I never, ever, ever use Google, and I never, too fucking lazy. So that's what, that, all of this question has got to the, the I'm trying to lead to this moment of, because I read that you spoke about entertainment, and I wanted to understand, and you just said a bit more, can we elaborate? Because uh, for entertainment purposes? Yeah, that's what you, that's what you, I'm not a doctor. Disclaimer, yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> I play one on TV, sorry, old American joke. Um, I have been doing, this is, <laughs> I think of what I do with with a client as an on-site performance art piece, which has to do with perception and the gaze and um, a lot of other words that are going to make me sound like a complete twat. So I'm not going to... But... uh, And it is entertaining. And people do say, I got 
more out of this than I've gotten out of six months of therapy, but I believe in therapy. Right. There are people that I don't read for. I give them the, um, there's a sheet I hand out that has uh, psychiatric and psychological clinics. I have a sheet of therapists I recommend. Doc, you know, if, if you walk in and I think that there's, this, this is going to mean more to you than entertainment, um, I'm not in this for the money. I'm in this for the mutual fascination. Because when I, when you're sitting there and I tell you something about you that only you know, it opens up a world of possibilities. What else is possible? Right. You can, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you say this because some people ask me why I do my pot. Why, why do I do this? Because you're good at it. Well, one, I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, I'm just fascinated about love and people, so it's like a, a enjoyable. But three, I realized I was giving sometimes some a person a gift by just yes. talking to them. So, so I realized that it's not because a part I hate thinking that it's about me. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's, of course, I'm doing it, so it is about me in mm-hmm. some ways. But it's about you as well, and it's not everyone gets a moment where they get to sit there and just have an hour of attention on them. Right. And that there's you know every once in a while I'll wake up. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jump out of bed. I was like, you probably doing exercise. Um, Better but, man than I am. No, but, I, but I'll crave, I will crave to go to see a psychic or get my um, cards read or read a right. palm, right? And now I, there was a little, and it would happen like every six months to a year. And especially when I came to New York, because the signs are, you know, about $5. You could just do it. Right. And then I started to like dig. I was like, why am I doing this? Because they started to say things that were effective. You know, every six months I'd go and they would say something like, you've got a black hole on your heart or things that I didn't really want to necessarily. Well, somebody who uh, tells you that you've got a black hole in your heart, you should, you should stand up and leave. Right. So There's I, a lot of, I can tell you a lot of lines that charlatans use. It's very, I do uh, readings with closed eyes. I know how to do a cold reading. People, I've looked it up. So what I do in my in my practice, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I get no, no, I get no. yeah, very yeah, pissed off about this shit um, because there are a lot of charlatans, and I've spent a huge amount of time making sure I do this with utter integrity. If I can't read for you, I'll give you your money back and take you. I will take you out to dinner. I've done that, um, but. There are there are stock phrases that people use. use. Is that one of them? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm glad oh, to know is. that. So yeah. I'm. Can you hear the buzzing, or is that something that's not? Yeah, I don't know what sure it, I it's not that. I don't think it's that. Good. I was thinking it's gonna blow. Um, but but then I when I so I go why am I doing it? Why every six months do I feel like this? And I gradually just start to realize I'm like because I like the feel of someone holding my hand and and tracing the line, and I like someone looking me in the eye and like giving me attention for fifteen minutes. Yeah. So it's interesting. It it depends. There's so many different levels that I think people and people. I realize some people get that by just playing tennis with someone because they have like someone's full attention for like it, everyone has their different ways of getting that getting seen yeah. being visible being understood being known so, I think one reason um, people fall in love is because they feel a connection with that other person that this person 
this person will say, oh, I love this book, I love this movie, I love, and that's your special book, and that's your special movie, and that's your special breakfast cereal that you, you know, pour soy milk and cognac over in the morning. Not, not cognac, that's okay. <laughs> um, just kidding, Mom. Um, but that, those, that's what makes people fall in love. Well, that and animal pheromones, but... Um, but it that, is crazy when someone's like, and I'm like, oh, my, one of my favorites is Harry Met Sally, and especially a guy. If he's like, me too. I'm like, what? Hold the phone. Who are you? <laughs> what else do you like? <laughs> I trust it a little more if the guy says it first and I agree with it. No, I get, I get, I get good point. But if they can quote it or if they can back yeah. it up, I'm like, I'll ask a few more questions. Um, I think it's be, powerful. Yeah. I think because there's a through line there, it's like there's something. Um, we we all have things we fall in love with with people. I'm a sucker for noble. You know, oh, if you yeah. do something noble, like, yeah. and I'm a sucker for genius. I always have been. What? Yeah, well, um, you know what I'm a sucker for? What? Just social behavior, like good social behavior. And I know it's it, it's not as deep as I, but if I know I can bring you into a room and I don't have to worry about you because I'm such a little warrior and I want everyone to kind of be happy and comfortable Mm -hmm. if I can walk in a room and 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 you're good oh it's like I love you that is a great feeling yeah it's not shallow because what you're saying is you're that's that somebody who is has social intelligence emotional intelligence I'd like to hear more about what you think about that uh, is somebody who has a certain amount it's like he's he's got the the empathy app open and running at some level. He's paying attention to other people. He is paying attention to to nonverbal cues. He he is civilized. Right. A word that you know I respect and honor. There's it's, it's a it's a lovely thing. And people who are who know how to do that and choose not to do it because they think they're making a statement really annoy me. So. I know that you, of course, can't share anything that's your sessions come out of your sessions. Um, but I wanted, I wanted to know how often is it about love and relationships? You know what's fascinating? That's, I have to say, your questions, aces, thumbs Thanks. up. Um, much more with men than women. Really? Women want to know about their career. Usually, if the first question a woman asks is about a guy, I know that everything in that session is going to be about that guy, and there's nothing I can say or do. And sometimes I'll stop the session because, uh, especially in New York, people get fixated in somebody because that person has, they think that person has seen them. And they want that feeling, not literally, but but that person has recognized a part of themselves that they don't get uh, reflected back to them Mm -hmm. enough in their social circle. And that person will become sort of the totem of that part of themselves, almost like the guardian, and they become fixated. Yeah, and then they don't see all the other crap that happens sometimes. Well, also, if somebody is giving you signals that say, you know, I don't know. I like to be chased. That's you like the chase. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 it's the men. Uh, men so are so romantic. Wow. I had no the little deers. I love them. I mean, I love men. I grew up with three brothers, and I have my dad's insanely romantic as well. Like he. Oh, yeah. I love that. It's and I 
I mean, I guess it doesn't surprise me as much. And it doesn't surprise me also in New York, because your clientele, I'm guessing, is mostly from New York. Um, oh, my clientele's from, from everywhere. Because oh. the career <laughs> thing with the women is, is interesting as well. Well, that, that, but that cut, you know, that is a little more New York. Yeah. You're right. That's a, that's a really good observation. I had a moment the other day where I realized I've become a career woman and I didn't even know that it, like, and whatever a career woman meant, it was more a joke in my brain, but I'm like, well, I guess if you add up all the hours that I've put towards my career, I'm putting it in quotation marks, I don't know why, Um, and then all like, but my, all my love life, I'm like, yeah, the career wins, (laughs) for sure, like, hands down, so I guess if that's how you want to, like, work it out, I am a career woman. But all I can think of is the 80 move, 80s movies with, like, the big shoulder pads and, like, the <laughs> like, Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Right. I was like, I've made it. I'll get you, yeah. Melanie, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> oh, what's that great, great one? In, working Girl, I think. It's yeah, Working Girl. Of. Yeah, and... But Joe Cusack says to Melanie Griffith... Well, Melanie Griffith was very ambitious, right? Yeah, and yeah. She says, well, some, you know, someday I'd like to own a cooperation. And then John Cusack leans in and says, you know, sometimes I, I dance around in my underwear and use the hairbrush as a microphone. That don't make me Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> God, you're good with the voices, aren't you? Um, so your, can we, your love life. Are you are you single and mingling or what's what's going on? Yeah, I was married very young and wonderfully to a genius artist, um, who is still a very close friend. And his new wife is, well, she's not as new as she was, but um, they're very close friends. But mm. you know, married ten years, twelve years, fourteen, I forget. Um, so I was and then I was engaged <laughs> I was swept off my feet by a younger man his name is John I'm going to be a little indiscreet but yeah um, you know what I'll just say he was the son of a famous writer and he has a very unusual middle name oh and he's drop dead gorgeous um, oh, I can tell your body language is just like ooh <laughs> People magazine sex. Is this the sex yeah. yeah, for that must. <laughs> so, um, but I was a little bit older than him, and we. How did you meet? Um, we met at a party. A woman I'm very proud to be friends with, a, a fantastic political activist named Laura Dawn, and she said, "I just broken up with some idiot." And uh, I don't usually say that about guys, but. But he was actually was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And um, I just—it was one of those things where you, I walked into the bar the birthday party was being held in, and I this guy and I turned and saw each other at the same time, and we happened to be in a spotlight in the middle of the room where everybody else was. But that's how I remember it. <laughs> and, uh, we had a moving moment. We really did. Yeah. And uh, what was funny was that. I had gotten so used to being single after being divorced because I'm not, I'm actually kind of introverted in some ways, so mm-hmm. I was very shy. Cause, um, but my cards, I would you know, do your cards for yourself. I was like, am I ever, anybody ever going to talk to me again? I mean, um, 
And my cards started showing up with all of this romantic stuff. And like the, th- the first time it happened, it was like the Ace of Cups falling in love and then the Two of Cups, which is a couple and you heal each other and like the lovers. I'm like, and I looked up and said, are you giving me somebody else's readings? Because this is not, and I kept getting it. So I, and then I get, got prompted and like, uh, join and join the Y. So I started working out and I got my hair done and kind of walked back into the world of girl again. And like built confidence, I'm guessing. Oh, what was it? It wasn't even, it was just like, well, this thing is going to happen around July 18th and it's so get prepared. No, it was exactly like that. And it did. And it was a great two years. So did you think at all, like, were you as conscious of like, well, I'm probably going to meet someone tonight at a party or no? No, not that night because I had just, you know, bumped into, I was out with my girlfriend, so right. I bumped into the, the recent ex and I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> so I'm like, we'll take you to a party to cheer you up. I love it that it still surprises you even though in some ways you're conscious that something's going to happen. I can feel, you know, the, the, I don't feel like the future is carved in stone. Mm. I feel like when I read for somebody, one of the reasons I like reading for people is I can sort of say this opportunity is coming up, you know, can you start preparing for it, is this something you want? Is this in line with your dreams? Or I can say, you know, this this bump in the road, this is how you can prepare for that. And that tends to work. But I don't think anything's carved in stone. Yeah, I like hearing that. So, if I asked you what does love, what, what have you learned about love over these years? And how do you sort of see it now? Like, cause I, I'm going to make a lot of assumptions right now. But I think that once you've been married, I, th- I have a gut feeling that not you, just in general, that you let go of some elements that you always maybe mm-hmm. craved um, in yeah. a relationship. You're like, well, maybe that wasn't everything that I want in my future or da-da-da. And then you have other relationships and you learn and then, you, you know... So at the moment now, and also just from, I'm sure you've had such wonderful conversations with people and what they're yearning for and what they, when they, when they truly feel in love and when they don't and what they're blah, 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 blah. So right, right now where you are, if what, what do you sort of see like a, and I mean a sexual loving relationship, like what, how do you sort of see it? Well, that's put an interesting question. Um, Helmut Newton, the great photographer, um, what, what somebody once said, you know, you've been married to your, the same woman, Helga, for put, 50 years now, and you work with the most beautiful women in the world, mm-hmm. and you spend your day posing them naked, putting your hands on them, and, but, um, but this is the love of your life. They didn't say, you know, this tiny older person, um, but that's what they were, <laughs> so it was not a very aware time. Um, and he said, you know, when, when we met, we, we had so much passion and lust for each other. Um, and he said, desire is the gateway to love. And I actually think there's really something to that. I think that when you're passionately attracted to each other, that there's a part of yourselves that wants to, well, biologically, if you're in your 20s, wants to make more people, and that's because we're animals, but... Right. Um, <laughs> and want that process. <laughs> yeah. But um, there's another part that recognizes this. There's a part of you that you recognize in each other that wants to sort of get birthed, a mm-hmm. potentiality. 
and that desire is is the gateway to a love and trust so that's that's one thing I've noticed if I'm not attracted to somebody I'm not really going to give it it's a nice I appreciate that because personally there's so many people out there that I love and respect and and that love having a conversation with and all that kind of stuff and and yet I don't really want to take it to the another, another level with them. What's the reason for that? Right, but it's nice to also because I think as you may if you've seen people get hurt in relationships and you've seen sort of sometimes the bad side of it, you're like maybe I'll play it safe, maybe I, I won't go that. But then you're like, well, but then you're not going to be really attracted to anyone, and you're not going to oh. necessarily have that desire. You know, I don't. I think we play it safe. I'm not a big play it safe person. <laughs> it's just not <laughs> probably the way to go. <laughs> um, but I, I did. Um, I. There are reasons people play it safe. I played it safe for. Uh, about four years because I met somebody a few years ago um, after the son of the famous writer and I broke up um, which was not not a shining moment Um, but I I met this guy who was a genius documentary filmmaker you know the noble thing yeah and he was a brilliant conversationalist which is my other button. Brilliant. Oh, God. It's you know, so sexy, isn't there's it? There's nothing sexier than a man who can talk about, you know, Steinbeck and pop culture and... But it and makes James you... W. Turner and... Mm, yummy. It what? makes you sound good as well, because <laughs> then you get to ask interesting questions because they're talking about an interesting subject, and yeah. you're like, ah. Oh, and there's nothing sexier than the truth, too. Yeah. If you turn to some... If somebody turns to you and said, you know, that was, that was kind of... Bullshit, we just said. And they that's like, ugh, yeah. Know, take me now under the table. Um, that is a but good I, feeling. My, uh, so this guy and I just sort of met and instant, really instantly hit it off. And uh, he kind of proposed to me on your fourth date. And, really? Um, like, a, like a proper it, proposal? Uh, well, he used a ring I was wearing, so I'm not sure that, but. <laughs> but he was sincere. But the thing is, he was a documentary filmmaker who made, who rescued, he made a movie called Stolen Childhoods, another movie called The Darker Side of Chocolate, um, The Harvest. He rescued children from sex slavery and from, from underage labor. That's what he did worldwide. And he was, long story short, uh, he, he had a head injury from when he'd been kidnapped by people who didn't want him to do that, didn't want him to break up those rings, and he'd been... He had very bad traumatic brain injury, and uh, he killed himself. Oh, so I'm I didn't. Sorry. I didn't date for a while, and I found out when I did date that I was sabotaging it. That I would just like, I would have this sudden like out of the blue kind of like weird flare of temper, or mm. and sort of like a bit of a fuck you over. Sometimes I feel like I become like, like just uh, I don't. I become a person I don't even know if, when if I'm in if I'm sort of in a maybe a dating situation that I know is I'm no I'm not necessarily ready I guess yeah well we'll find ways it's scary it's yeah. scary to be known it's scary to know I went out 
couple weeks ago with somebody. I have not had that great a date since. I was like, really? For a decade. It was the best. Can you? I had the best time. Well, what happened? Oh, we no, went and had a drink. We knew each other mildly and just. Um, it was one of those things where you're just matching sensibilities and you feel like somebody looks at the world and not like sees it the same way, but sees it in a way that kind of meshes Mm -hmm. uh, and that there is a possibility of of greatness in that person that, and that's for me, it's like, um, and then at the end, you know, I keep my, my spidey sense turned off and at the end, um, I said, you're getting up back in a regular life. And, oh my God, he's so attracted to him. He's such a really amazing person. And I suddenly said, your girlfriend. And, you know, it's just, we didn't mean because we were mutual friends. We were just like, go out for a drink and talk. But, um, so we didn't, didn't see each other again. Nothing bad happened. But I was... I was excited by the possibility mm. that, and then uh, that great conversation and great chemistry can coexist. And there's this theory I have about meeting a guy who's really, really close to what you want, but for whatever reason not. That's the timing. Um, it's called driftwood. Driftwood. <laughs> and it's when the sailors. Um, in the 19th century would be sailing you know, across the ocean. They didn't have great navigational tools, or maybe they were just idiots, but they were, um, right before they saw the horizon, right before they saw the land that they had yearned for, they would, before they could see that, they would know that they were near the place that they wanted to go because they would see driftwood, which was a sign, you know, you're close. <laughs> that makes sense? Yeah. I was going to ask before you said that was that a nice feeling because you know that you're in a place where you can feel attracted to someone and have a good conversation and maybe want to go into a relationship and and was seeing him was kind of like a oh okay I'm this is great this is possible yeah yeah nice no it's it was um, I mean it was bittersweet at the moment right you know nobody likes to (laughs) still got it yeah yeah no, that was that definitely probably not where you were hoping that was going to go. And how did he... Was he a gentleman about it when he reacted? Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect gentleman. Great guy. Perfect, yeah. Absolutely perfect gentleman. And he was about to... But we'd just gotten so caught up talking. And I, either he assumed I knew or... Because uh, uh, we have mutual friends. But we just got so caught up in conversation. It wasn't leading me on. No, just, no, no. Also, sometimes I... Sometimes I feel like I have the best conversations with my friends, boyfriends and stuff because it's it, somehow it's all... Yeah. It's just pe- two people yeah. speaking. Um, so it's kind of like you can just be yourself and it doesn't really, really matter. Which I guess you would hope would be similar if you were on it. Yeah, but you know, there are but times when the physical attraction... I mean, there are... Yeah. I have had once or twice I've had girlfriends who, whose boyfriends I just steer clear up because I'm like, there's a little something there and I... Yeah, <laughs> I would. Have, That's I would, not the same for yeah. me. But yeah, I would. I would, I would rather <laughs> not have my head cut off by somebody who three days before was you know. Yeah, you said that at the cheetah. table. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but no, it's interesting the 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 heart and the mind and places further south. Oh, 
So are you, are you still performing at all? Well, it's so funny you should say that because I just, I will be performing very soon, but I've got a song called The Truth About Love. Oh, which, really? Which is, uh, a lot of my songs are trying to figure out like different areas of love. I've got one song, What Time Is It in Texas, which is about that moment where you're thinking about somebody and you don't know if they're thinking about you. Yeah. Like, it's such, and I haven't heard that many songs about it, so it's like I wanted to you know, what time is it in Texas? Can I call? The weather here is... Wait, so you're, you've written these songs? Oh, yeah, that's like... Oh, that's your thing. I did. I yeah. read that. I did no read that. <laughs> can I, is there anywhere we can hear it? Um, no. Uh, give me a week or two. Okay. Perry Lyons music will be going up probably in about two weeks. Wonderful. Um, all of, never put all of your original music on the same computer. That's all I'm going to oh. say. <laughs> oh, I don't even want to hear that story. It's okay. Everything, it's all good because I'm re-recording all of it. So, um, okay. but it's, so uh, it's meant- if you go to MySpace, which is really embarrassing, myspace.com perry.lions or perrylions, you can hear some of it there. It pops up if you Google me. I if you go to my Facebook page. Um. So then, wait. What was the? What was your line about the time in Texas? The. What, oh, what time is it in Texas? Can I call? The weather here is changing. Do you think of me at all? That's not what I meant to say. It's just I thought a bit today about you. No. What time is it in Texas? I think that the one of the best things anyone can ever say. Mm-hmm. to you just on a gent on a like a soft note is when they they're like you know I thought about what you said the other day or I you know those little moments and you're like you thought about something that I said two days later and you hadn't even seen it was it's so lovely and I try to remind myself to to say it more to other because of course I always think about what my people that I yeah. care about in my life yeah. and I I could try, especially all my friends in Australia that I only ever will see once a year or talk yeah. to once a year. I'm like, but I think about yeah. so often. I'm like, God, I remember. Even if it's that quick little one-liner email, like yeah. just thinking about you, da da da. Nothing better. But you know, friends are like adding these windows to your, to your house. They give you these views that yeah. you would never have had without them. Mm-hmm. These ways of looking at things. And we carry those, or we love all of them. So do you think you're going to keep doing the intuitive consulting for a while? Um, I've got a big project I can't talk about, but I, I think I'm going to be doing intuitive consulting because I love it. And it is a little, I'll be honest, I mean, this is going to sound a little funny, but it's a little like great sex. Mm. When it works, it just just you know it just works and you can't explain it and you can sort of read each other's minds and every it's fantastic and it's such a and everybody comes out happy so why would you stop doing that <laughs> yeah and no and it's so it's so fascinating to keep you know it's it's as a scientist's daughter my father was a jewish doctor and and even he, before he died, said, I don't know how you do this, and I don't believe in it, but it works. <laughs> Whatever this is, keep going. Which, from Dad. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm doing that, but doing a bigger project, and there's... I, I've learned that in New York, I prefer 
to not talk about a project and just do it. I, no, I, I agree. I also think that somehow before you do a project, if you talk about it too much, you get the high already and you don't end up doing it. So, like, you totally have true. to, like, just keep it and continue. Also, this is a city where people move to live out their dreams, right? And fantasies. And dreams and fantasies are tricky because you can... I've had clients... No. <laughs> I haven't exactly yelled at them. That's not great publicity. But... Here's the thing. For me, my relationships were the reason that I started doing the intuitive counseling. It's sort of life coaching as well, Mm -hmm. which I have a little degree in. Because when I would be with my husband, um, who was enormously psychic himself, he would he got huge acclaim because he would paint these these huge wallpaper paintings of events that hadn't happened yet and put them up and on the, I can't quite describe it, but very, very psychic. Um, but when I met him, we sort of worked together kind of, and I would tell him like, you know, this is a good idea and that's not. And he was very, he was channeling these amazing paintings mm-hmm. and became incredibly successful. And, um, and then, Guys sometimes lose their mornings when they get a little successful. So things, right, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's a, that's a training thing as well. When you get successful, how do you then handle? How that? do you not run off with a nineteen-year-old? Um, right. But a guy after guy, if we were dating for more than six months, would become really successful. And when I was single, like, you know, maybe I should do this for myself and other people. <laughs> maybe I don't have to date them. Or do it for free. That's so interesting. I, because I once, I love talking to people about their relationships and a guy friend of mine once, I remember driving in the car and he's like, you're just so good at it. He's like, how can we get this to make money for you? <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's a thing. But anyway. What, what, so don't, that's an interesting thinking you just said. What? What was he, what did he, what did he say that in response to? And what did you said? that made him say, oh, that that's a skill set that somebody would pay money for. Was it a very acute observation about somebody else's love life? Was it a very insightful observation about his personality and way of being? What was it? It would have been, knowing our friendship, it would have been something he was confused about in his love life. Mm-hmm. And I tried, I put a perception of maybe his behavior Maybe he needs to look at the way that his behavior is that that happened. That isn't in line with what he wants. Right. Right. So yeah. what we're I'm tying that's tying in perfectly to what I started to say. You're a very direct speaker. I'm more sort of frolic and detour. Um, so thank you, and you're very concise. But what I was going to say um, was that people talk themselves out of their dreams, mm. and people talk about what they want to do and what they're going to do, and they don't do it. So you wind up being, you know, 30 years later, you're still, it's not, I mean, being a waiter is great, but if you came to New York to be an actor and you're a waiter and then you're too tired to, you don't act in alignment with what you want, it's not gonna happen. Right. So about seven years ago, I said, screw this. I'm never having a day job again. I am going to be myself as hard as I can and anytime I find anything that's not me I'm going to take it off and 
just keep doing what I love. And people say, oh, you can't make a living as a psychic. I'm like, oh, yeah? <laughs> you you can? can if you're the best at it. Yeah. And I'm sorry to sound cocky, but I am. No. But, um, but people talk themselves out of what's possible. So for you, I believe you could completely monetize both your capacity for empathetic and insightful listening, which, uh, and your intuition about people, which I'm seeing in you, you're very intuitive. Hmm. And so I'm curious to say, to, I'm curious to hear why you think you wouldn't be able to monetize that. Well, I think my podcast is my step into that, into whatever, whatever possibly, yeah. possibly that it be. And what, where, where it's always shut down for me and I'm learning how to get better at it is one, I used to take it on so much. So people love to talk to me about their life and what they were struggling with and their emotions and it would just land on my chest and they would walk away feeling right. a lot better and I'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I gotta go see a movie. Um, and that's how I like let it all out because then I focus on the character's life for a while. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, I, because I haven't had much experience actually in relationships, in actually a romantic relationship, I my brain goes, well, what do you know? <laughs> so I think that this podcast is my is my this happy medium of being able to hear mm-hmm. and learn myself, yeah. but also give that time to a person because because this curiosity of mine has been with me this whole time I've been able to have these wonderful conversations with people my whole life that I started to realize not everyone else was having and I was like ah this is this is a bit of a gift and um and I wondered how I could transform that sort of into a a podcast and the podcast actually started from me having a single person come on and I would just make up a love story about oh that's charming um, but then it was all me talking and not the guest which which ultimately I wanted it to be them so it was my little step so I every time I do the podcast I shift it to where my confidence has gone to them so well, I don't know. And maybe one day the podcast will make money. Who well, knows? Actually, you're going about it... Because I love studying people's journeys. And it seems to me like you're following the classic sort of formula for success, which is you have a curiosity, you have a passion for something, and you take the action. You find out by trial and error what you're good at, right. what the people respond to. And it's like a date. It's like... It's like any other interaction with a person or with the world, because the microcosm is the macrocosm. So sometimes the microcosm is a little easier to fit into the restaurant. Um, <laughs> um, the so what you're doing is essentially creating out of the firmament of this vast chaotic firmament. You start to narrow down as you do more and more of what you like and you let yourself make mistakes and you let yourself succeed and you see how people respond and you go in that direction that you you know five years later you wind up with a monetizable brand an identity right i don't like using the word brand because it always brings to mind like hot iron seared flesh right. like, no no don't 
brand me. Um, it's okay. I, I work in advertising, so branding is all I talk about all day. But I, I do, and, I've, and I'm careful about it because I don't ever say the podcast's incredible or it's going to be this or like I don't ever put um, mm-hmm. any expectation on it because I know that I don't work well under that and what's lovely is that I just go I'm just giving it a shot and if, if, if it fails it doesn't hurt anyone or it doesn't it's not affecting or if no one if someone doesn't want to listen they don't have to listen which is great or sometimes but if the more truthful you are and the more open you are and the more you start to trust that inner voice, which is all that what I do and what I teach other people to do is just learn to trust the first thought. Mm. Trust the first, trust going in, trust, you know, breathing into your, your gut or a little lower um, <laughs> for three minutes, asking a question, getting an answer. And it seems like that's what you're doing. There's a truth about love. Yeah. This and and everyone also has a different truth, which is interesting. And yet there's similarities through through it all. It's like telling the difference between real gold and fool's gold, you know. One there will be a you know, real gold. Miners know when they found real gold when the vein is constant and true and it keeps going forward. And fool's gold is sparkles. Um, but there's no continuity, and it feels like you're interested in the the real gold. Oh yeah, the consistent, deep, beautiful, useful, and valuable vein of gold. I know it's incredible. Like it, anyway, yeah. But we have hit our hour, and <laughs> I'm feel a bit selfish that the last 10 minutes I think was a bit about me um, but thank you so much Perry it's been an absolute pleasure my mouth is sort of sore because I've been smiling <laughs> I know so I was just noticing that too yeah. and I would like to say that um, radio is wonderful um, for Essie but television would be great she has such a beautiful face and these these glowing uh, the hazel eyes yeah is he the blue <laughs> it's dark in here <laughs> alright I'm ending this now <laughs> thank you so much Perry take care bye bye